Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB+, on the app, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We have much to do and luckily we have a couple of hours in which to do it. We've got Nick Freeman coming up a little bit later on in the show, lawyer and road safety campaigner. He's got some more news on the e-bike front. He wants to tell us why e-bike riders are speeding more than ever now and nobody seems to be able to control them, even though, technically speaking, an e-bike is actually a motor vehicle of one kind or another. So it should actually be properly uh, treated as such. It should be properly licensed, it should be properly registered and it should be actually uh, able to be tracked down. Whether you've borrowed it, whether you've rented it, whether you own it, uh, and you should be fined and you should be given a speeding fine in the same way that you would be given one if you were driving an electric car. Uh, but Peter Hitchens is also here. We're going to talk to him about his big subject this week in his column, which is all about the drug debate. The drugs lobby have finally been proved wrong, he says. We'll also talk a little bit about the NHS and much else besides. We've got loads of your uh, calls to take as well. 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's do it. Peter, a very good uh, morning to you. Morning. Can I just say about e-bikes? Yes. This, this e-bike and e-scooter menace, which I've been writing about for ages, I, I knew when I first started writing about it that people would eventually latch on to yes. the fact that we suddenly allowed huge numbers of high-speed, unlicensed motor vehicles uh. onto the streets and onto the pavements. Yeah. And all I got for raising it was mockery. Why, yeah. why, why are you bothering with this trivial thing? Yes. You wait, is all I can say. You wait, mm. because it's a complete failure of government. It to, really is. And, and, and it's becoming a more and more of a hazard and a danger to many, many people, not just car drivers, but also pedestrians. Oh, very much People on, on bicycles as well, who are going about their business, as, as some uh, cyclists do. I mean, it really, you never know where these scooters are going and to come they, from or where these e-bikes are going to come from. They go really fast. There's this official limit on their speed, but it's incredibly easy. I won't go into the details. It's incredibly easy to tweak this mm. and, and for them to go much faster than this. I see them going much yeah. faster than this. Well, the other thing, the of course, that's happening a lot more as well, because of the fact that many of these e-bikes are, are, are driven by batteries which may be oh, you yeah. know, dodgy and may have been bought overseas or may have been bought online from somewhere like China, that you're now being told, do not charge these these things inside a house because houses will go on fire. No, there are, there, there's, there's plenty of danger from that. Apparently there are, there are huge factories in China turning these out, things right. out, incredibly cheap, of course, in yeah. vast quantities, and they're arriving here. But it's, it's a complete sacrifice of mm. control by the government. Until now, any vehicle with a motor on it had to be licensed, had yes. to display a license plate, you had to pass some sort of test to use it. Yeah. No, you don't. And this, this basically is a step into the third mm. world. And, and Nick Freeman knows the law. Yeah. Um, he always says that you know an e-bike is technically a, a vehicle. 
Well, it is, but that's why they that's why they fudged it, and yeah. that's, that's why this whole business of the e-scooter experiment was mm. was devised, where you were allowed to ride them if they were hired from various high companies, yes. but not if they were privately owned. Right. As if you care whether you're right. whacked in the back by an e-scooter exactly. that's privately hired or one that, that mm. one that's that, that, that's hired or owned mm. doesn't matter. It still hurts like hell, and the, the injuries from them apparently are quite quite the, the the nature of the e-scooters, particularly the injuries from them, well, particularly to the killed. liver, are really quite yeah. severe. Yeah. Absolutely it's right. Not, it's, it's, just, it's just a complete failure of control mm. by a government which appeared to me to have been lobbied uh, very, very cleverly by people. And also the e-bike, which is a separate thing again, has so many different forms. You know, it could be somebody who's doing one of these food delivery service yep. type jobs, a lot of um, which, which, which many of them have. There's, there's the ones that you see with the really thick tyres that oh, seem to go incredibly well, quickly. And they're built to look like motorbikes. Yeah. And they have, they have, again, they have, they have some ape hanger uh, handlebars and uh, all the other things as if they're some mini Harley Davidsons, but they pretend to be, to be bicycles. And I've seen people going past me as a pedestrian at sort of 30, 40 miles an hour on these things. And you can't hear them either, by the way. Well, the, the, thing, the thing I would say to everybody is if you see in the distance what looks like a bicycle, uh, don't, uh, when, if crossing the road particularly, don't act as you used to do. Assume these things are going much faster mm. than a bicycle. That's what nearly did for me a few months ago. And I've narrowly missed on a pedestrian crossing yeah. by one. And ever since then, when I, when I see anything that looks like a bicycle, right. I think, until I know for yes. certain it is, I assume it's doing up to 30 or 40 miles now. And, and also, it doesn't help that, I don't know what it's like in other cities or what it's like in Oxford, but certainly in parts of London, where you have one-way streets, which are one-way for cars, but bikes can come yep. the opposite way, which is about the stupidest thing I think I could ever conceive of because most people will see a one-way street with cars and just look in one direction to see what's coming yeah, and they won't look the other way and that's where the danger is. There are many. I just, as I say, I think that an intelligent government would, would rescind the decisions that have been taken and rethink it all because it's going to get so much worse. Mm. It really is. Well, we shall speak uh, to uh, Mr. Nick Freeman about that coming up a bit later on. Let's talk about drugs, because yeah. you wrote a big piece to, uh, this weekend about it. Well, I was astonished, because the Washington Post, which must be one of the most liberal newspapers in the world, uh, came out a few days ago with an amazing story from, from Porto, in the second city of Portugal, basically pointing out that the supposed magical experiment in drug semi-legalization in mm. Portugal has, in fact, led to rising crime, much more squalor, uh, a, a increasing danger on the streets and increasing demands mm. by uh, politicians in Portugal that they should go back to enforcing the law, which mm. they gave up officially doing, I think, in 2001. The truth is that what happened in Portugal was that they hadn't, hadn't been enforcing the law with any rigor for some years, and they just made that formal. Right. Uh, so it got it got worse, but not instantly worse. And the claims were made by all the supposed libertarians, like the Cato Institute, and all the drug legalizers. Portugal was a kind of drug paradise example for everybody. Every time I went on a debate on the BBC about about drug legalization, the, the first question the presenter would ask me, well, what about Portugal? Yes. And it, the, 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 to, to, to combat that, I would have to go go to the most enormous detail about about the, the matter, and it, it basically I was I was bulldozed by mm. what about Portugal, and then of course you also get people saying, well, what about Amsterdam, yeah. and how fantastically successful this? Well, in Amsterdam too, they've now in the red light districts, yeah. uh, they've actually banned the public smoking of marijuana because mm. people who live in Amsterdam are absolutely sick of it and said Indeed. we don't want and any how, more I'm these not sure. zombies coming right. here. And they've sort of flip flopped on it, but I'm not sure where it is now. But at one point they banned tourism of all kinds, didn't they, from going they, they, and buying marijuana. They hate people. The people who actually in the Netherlands who actually live there, they hate this. They loathe the way in which Amsterdam has become a zombie city. And not just a zombie city, but quite serious uh, gangsterism mm. of, a, of a murderous kind. Mm. 
has risen on the back of the of, of the the Amsterdam reputation for being a drugs free for all, right. and it has not worked. And then on top of that, you get the, the increasing news from Canada, and from Colorado and California and the other American states, and now New York, the other which have which have legalized marijuana, of of the complete failure of this to do the one thing all the, the legalizers said. They said, if you legalize it, you'll put the gangs and the criminals out of business. Mm. It will all go legitimate. But what actually happens is that the gangs and the criminals stay in business, undercutting the legal mm. outlets. And you have two sources. Timid people who are afraid to break the law will can, can, can buy marijuana, which they couldn't before. Mm. So you have more marijuana consumption. Right. It's in, in some cases, it's actually advertised. But at the same time, the drug gangs still control a huge part of the trade, avoiding the tax and avoiding any attempt yeah. at regulation. That's what actually And happens. also, well, they've they, done. They, but they, they're legalizers still yeah. come. I, I, did, I, I, did, I did a debate a week ago on, 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 on another channel mm. with a retired police officer who claimed the same thing, that if we legalized then they, they would put the gangs out of business. Yeah. It, it's demonstrably, it's proven it untrue. Happen. They still say it. So here we have this thing. And what I recommend it was that the BBC might uh, might actually open that, that copy of the Washington mm. Post, Post, which must be lying somewhere in their headquarters. Maybe. I know they've been busy. Yeah. And, and they should look at this themselves. And let's see some proper TV on, on the, the so-called yeah. Portuguese drug paradise and how it actually operates, right. and the Amsterdam one too. And then people might stop talking this rubbish. And while you're at it, they can have a look at California and they can have a look well, at... They certainly can. I've been there since it's been legalised and, you know, California's in a hell of a mess, not just because of the drugs, but, but it's not helping because people are now taking drugs which are being manufactured artificially by the drug dealers who are getting them onto fentanyl and all sorts of other well, things. Well, sure. Because they've worked out that we can have multiple markets. And guess what? The drug dealers and the, the, the criminal gangs aren't just going to give up doing yes. what makes them it's millions of pounds a day. Another interesting thing that National Post, a conservative Canadian newspaper, has recently done a, a, a story in which they've said that the crime of a certain type has recently increased rather startling mm. in Canada. And this crime is of completely irrational attacks in the street, often actually fatal. Right. Uh, th there's no real explanation for this, it seems to me, uh, that, that doesn't include people being being mentally ill. Mm. And mental illness is, as I say over and over again, so strongly correlated with marijuana use yeah. that I really do think we the fact that this sort of crime is on the increase in Canada not long after the legalization of the, of the sale of marijuana from, mm. from open outlets seems to me to suggest maybe we should look into this. Maybe this rush to legalize needs to be, needs to be halted. Now, there's a very interesting thing in this country the, uh, the House of Commons Home Affairs Committee has three times this century has produced reports or has, has, has conducted inquiries into the drug issue. Hmm. Uh, the first two of them, uh, the second of which I tried to, to give evidence to, I did give evidence to for all the good it did me, uh, have come out saying that they're basically in favour of liberalisation. One of them, in fact, David Cameron sat on. Uh, the third, they've completed their inquiries. Uh, again, I, I gave them some written evidence. Mm. They didn't want to talk to me. Uh, they completed their inquiries, and the report is due out in August. I am really, really hoping uh, that on this occasion we don't get another uh, call for the, for liberalisation of laws. Well, this government and many governments before it have been kind of schizophrenic, haven't they, about it? Because they've, they've sort of tinkered with the idea, perhaps, of making marijuana a Class A drug, then a Class B drug, then a Class C drug, and they sort of go up and down. They don't seem to be sure... Oh, what, this, they, what they're about. This is there's a very complicated thing going on here, and it's it, it's been going on since 1971. 
the the distinction being made between different drugs was first made in the 1971 Misuse of mm. Drugs Act, and the whole point of it was to give marijuana a separate, less uh, less dangerous status from the, the, the bogeyman drugs. Was that when they came up with the sort of class? That's A's when the, that's that, yeah. when the classifications right. were, were first put into the law, and, and marijuana was a, was 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 then class B, and heroin and of course LSD, which was the huge bogeyman at the time, yes. were both classified as, as as class A and were treated much more seriously. At the same time, they also began to make this, to me, increasingly absurd distinction uh, between possessing the drug and trafficking it. Mm. So that trafficking it was something the police would still pursue and heavy penalties would be imposed for it. But possession uh, was increasingly treated lightly and then over the years ignored. Now, the government can't do anything openly about this because we're bound by the 1961 Single Drugs Convention of the United Nations to have these laws against these drugs. But what they can do is just not enforce them. So whenever they're challenged, they say, no, we have these laws. We're right. not, we have no plans to change them. But whether they change them or not, the government knows perfectly well that the police and the courts have stopped enforcing them. Mm. So they have changed them, but they haven't changed them openly. So this, this paradox is also revealed in the U.S., where the federal government still maintains very strict laws yes. against marijuana, uh, but all, all the states don't. Which apparently has created quite interesting fiscal problems for, well, has, for, yeah, the, can't, for the marijuana you credit, growers. You can't use credit cards. Well, you can't use credit cards. You also can't have a bank so account. Sad. But you also can't have a bank account, um, apparently, uh, if it's a federal bank. So if you've got a bank that has... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, branches in every state. You can't open so a bank account. you just account. have to put your money so in, I'm told, in, the, in the old building and loan. The reason I know this is because a guy that I know who used to be in the wine business has actually gone into the, the marijuana growing business because it's a lot more lucrative. I should say. And it's legal. And they what they do is they now grow it sort of vertically oh, yeah. in hydroponic, hydroponic uh, yeah. uh, warehouses where they can lock it and nobody can steal it. And he says basically what happens on tax day is people just literally turn up at the tax office with sacks fulls of money, yeah. of cash, to hand to the tax man. Yeah, and that's well, the only way they can pay their taxes. But there is a there is a growing campaign, of course, to to abolish the 1961 Single Convention. After mm. which, the, but both the United States and the United Kingdom, being members of the UN Security Council, cannot openly, I think, uh, denounce and refuse mm. to abide by uh, the, 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 the a UN treaty. But they can covertly do so, and that's what that's why governments speak with a forked tongue on this matter. They say, no, we're not, we have no plans to change the law. But the thing that to ask them when they say that, well, okay, well, do you have any plans to enforce it? Yes. To which the answer is no. <laughs> yes. Well, this is now the way government runs in all areas. Oh, it? it's so They many, say we're going to do well, something. shoplifting. For and then they say. don't do anything. Shoplifting has, has been decrimed by the police yeah. and the courts. With the result that, no, you see, you've, you've, you've seen the, the boss of, uh, of the John boss Lewis, John Lewis today, yeah. saying that we're, we're, our staff are now totally at the mercy. Yeah. And when we call the police, they say they're busy. Mm. Well, what, as, again, the question has to be asked, what is it that they're busy doing? Yeah. Because they're obviously... I walked into a sort of a largest shop in in my local um, uh, shopping centre, which had all but uh, closed this kind of um, uh, metal gate, so that you can only go in and out the space of one person because their shoplifting problem is so horrendous. Well, of course, if you can't, because they can't had a be, wide open sort of you know um, opening opening area to well, go. The whole in. supermarket concept is is destroyed by if, if you can't trust people. Right. 
And so eventually this, you know, it, it, it boils down to smaller and smaller shops with bigger and bigger grids on the door. Mm. Or there's now, there's one supermarket near me where you have to, you can, they only have electronic checkouts. There are no people. But you have to keep your receipt. And, and, and you have to and have show to, the, show the, the QR the, code. To the yeah. reader to right. get out of the building. Yes. They won't let you out. So, and that's fine with well, it's, me. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit miserable, isn't it? It's the, a bit miserable, but better than having some maniac rush past you with a you know, bag full of goodies that he's just stolen. Mm. Uh, Thereby putting it, the price up of the ones so you're So do you buying. have this? I mean, coming out of a, a Marks and Spencer's uh, the other day, uh, this happened to be twice now, I was walking close to the entrance, and somebody uh, walked up right really close to me from oh, behind. Right. And as, as I went out, um, the two of us together set off the alarm. Right. Interesting. Uh, and his idea so that's was obviously, a technique. yeah, so it, it confuses them, mm. and and so no one came after me. Right. But the, the, he was obviously trying to camouflage his own exit by yeah. doing this. Right. Interesting. It's like Watch out for that, it. It's, it's like the people that follow you through the turnstile at, well, that, yeah, on the tube, which is another ride. thing. Yeah. Unbelievable. What's going on? Um, but interesting. Um, we've got more to do. We're going to talk about um, uh, Ben Wallace, who just quit uh, or has said he's going to quit at the weekend uh, from his job as Secretary of State for Defence. And plus, what about the Elgin Marbles? Should we give them back? This is Talk TV. Online, on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, we don't talk about the Elgin Margles, Margles, uh, Marbles very often here on this show, but, uh, but Peter, you've got a view about the Elgin Marbles, which you say... Your brother convinced you of well, completely. He was he was absolutely persuaded that, uh, that that what he I think rightly called the Parthenon Marbles mm. should be returned to to a very fine museum which which the, the Greeks have built ready to receive them. Mm. And I thought, well, I wasn't sure about this. And then I had a sort of epiphany experience. I was in Boston, Massachusetts, mm. in one of their very fine museums, and there was a large chunk of Lincoln Cathedral there. And I thought, oh, yeah. what's this doing here? I thought this kind of boiling red mist rage that this this piece of, of, of English heritage was, yeah. was in Massachusetts. I, why is it here? And I suddenly realized how it must feel to be green, mm. to have one of your greatest national treasures in a museum in London. Now, I, I'm going to ask you this, because it's not fair, but it's a good question. When did you last go and see the Elgin Marbles? Um, I don't think I've seen them uh, this century. Well, there you are, you see. I, I actually try and go I mean, and see I mean, I did them. used to go and see them. I used to go to the British Museum a lot when my kids were younger, because yeah, we well, used to love do, the British Museum. I, I try and go and see them every couple of years. Okay. Because they are fantastic, right. and they are well worth seeing. And I think if a proper, a proper period was given during which people in this country would be given the opportunity to go and see them properly mm. before, they were, before they were sent back home, then I think that would be only fair. But I think that they, they belong there. They can't apparently be put back for various reasons right. on the Parthenon okay. itself. Well, the Parthenon is, is pity, sort of crumbling a bit. Yeah, sure. It? I mean, it, it would expose them to, to, to all kinds of air pollution as well. But apparently, as I say, this museum, which has been built to receive mm. them, is very beautiful and very close. And, and people who went to the Parthenon could then go to this. And actually, anybody who goes to Victoria and Albert Museum knows that it's, it's, it's quite easy to make superb reproductions yeah. of things of this kind. Mm. And I'm sure it's easier now than it was when a lot of those were yeah, made. Yeah, but does that certainly really, do that. It's not the same, though, is well, it's it? It's not the same. But why should it be the same? The principle is... Why should uh, why should there used to be a very strong that that they would that they they might not be so well looked after they might be so safe in Greece and all that, but it's it's gone now right. I think especially now they built this museum yeah I mean I think that's a slightly uh, condescending attitude to the Greeks as well isn't it you well, go, it, well, it, it, it was, possibly yeah. have a, you a can museum see why they might as good as ours cheese off about it. did you find out why the uh, Lincoln Cathedral was I never I, 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 the it's something to do with Boston in Lincolnshire. 
Uh, I don't think so. No, it was just it's it somehow probably some Reformation smash up, right. and these, this thing had survived and been buried and, and by some process of of sale and, and inheritance ended uh. up in, in in the USA. So would you it's a very so beautiful you, piece of carving as I recall. So your preference would be just for Britain to give them back? Or? I think we. I think it would be. Would you get anything I, I, in return? I, I think. I think Greece is a. Have they got anything of ours? Greece is a friend. Um, I don't know, um, but I, I think Greece is a friend, and it's a, it's a, it's a country with which we have uh, good, strong relations. The sort of going right back mm. to the Lord Byron's support for Greek independence. So why not? Mm. I mean, would make it a not... gesture of generosity. Yeah, I don't think anyone would suffer here from it. It's not a blow to national. I'm pride. not particularly generosity against it. is a patriotic yeah. thing to do. Not, a, not, not I'm not. I'm not particularly against it, but I wonder whether it would lead to a kind of you know rush to. Giving all sorts of things back to people that that I mean it's it sort of takes you down that dreadful it does take you down that route, doesn't I, it because then what happens is the Greeks say well can we now have some money for you having them for all that time well maybe I think you have to you know, I think I, I doubt very much whether that would be the attitude uh, not that what the Greeks have been given a very hard time by the by the European Union lately and are mm. very short of money but um, that's that's not our doing or well our the affair. Greeks have been more or less ruined by the European Union it's terrible having, having got Goldman Sachs to cook the books to allow them to get into it uh, to then ruin their olive oil business completely well, so uh, at one point they were actually importing olive oil from Germany yeah but well, you can't it, the, the, I mean you know large chunks of the Greek railway system basically shut down yeah, yeah. Afford, it's, it's terrible what's happened so an act of generosity in these times would be in, in my view a good thing I don't know whether there is any precedent honestly Mm. Uh, there are our museums are full of stuff which I I do try and, and go and see because so much of it is beautiful but a lot of it comes from places which no longer exist whereas the Parthenon still does exist mm. and and there it is and and this is a, a hugely important piece of it an amazing uh, work of, uh, of, of genius sculpture yes. and, and and well and well worth seeing I I, I think. Um, I, I just, I just don't think it would necessarily lead lead to a great sort of cascade of this stuff. Every 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 one of these cases can be can be examined on its merits, but on this occasion, I think it's Athens is is a, is a hugely important surviving piece of the Acropolis, particularly mm. a surviving piece of uh, of of human civilization. It might as well have all its um, all its sculptures yes. where they. I mean, it must be strange if you are in Greece and somebody says, "Why have we not got them?" And somebody says, "Well." They sit in the British Museum yeah, in London, I, and of course the, the the way in which Lord Elgin took them. It's, of course, the, the Greece at the time was un, under uh, a very um, unpleasant uh, Turkish imperial rule, and, uh, and Elgin quite possibly did rescue them from yeah. the worst fate at the right. time. But I, I just don't think we can we, we can rely on that. Mm. To excuse hanging on to them for so long, and as I say, if if you if you really care about them, go and see them. Yeah, uh, and and there should obviously, as I say, be a period of, after the decision is taken when people can go and see them, and they're they're they're, they're encouraged to do so in large possible numbers, mm. and then nobody will really be able to complain. I don't think that they've lost a great opportunity. We had them for a very long time, yeah, and we looked after them and quite possibly saved them from a worse fate. But now that that argument is over, let's be generous. Mm. Okay, it's a good thing to end on. I'm I'm not going to let you end on a good thing. I'm going to go oh, no, to a bad thing, okay. which is that the army apparently going to slash another 10,000 soldiers uh, from the ranks. Why is anybody's guess? I don't know why they would be doing that. And I don't know whether that has anything to There's do money. with it's Ben Wallace saying he wants to quit as Defence Secretary. Well, I doubt it. I mean, this, the, 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 the shriveling of the British Army and indeed Navy uh, have been underway now for a very long mm. time under 
uh, under supposedly nominally conservative governments, if Labour had been doing this, the Tories would have been tearing them to shreds in the House of Commons yeah. and the Tory press would have been attacking them quite rightly all the time. But because it's been done by a Tory government, it's, it's as if a Labour government had decided to, to, to hack the National Health Service to pieces. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's the, the party which is supposed to look after them, uh, people don't don't quite compute, but it's extraordinary how how, how poverty stricken and cut down, mm. and far too small our armed forces are. And if one, th- whatever you think about the Ukraine conflict, and as you know, I don't think what everybody else thinks, it seems to me to demonstrate absolutely that the idea that countries don't need strong, uh, well trained and well equipped forces for their own defense is, is, is the idea that that was somehow outdated that the world was so modern mm. we wouldn't have wars again has been well it was literally demod- less than absolutely two, not it was less true. than two years ago i remember speaking to somebody from the the armed forces who was talking about you know cyber warfare being the warfare of the future and actual ground war oh, yeah. not really going to be something we're ever going to no, see yeah. again it's been said so many times and before, it was like sorry the, the <laughs> reality has come to an end we now live in a, in a world of well we don't it, it always comes back and actually my view has been for a very long time that we, what we concentrate on is the basic needs mm. for defending this country. Uh, too much of our defence capacity is basically designed to tail onto to the, to the US Navy yeah. particularly and to fit in with American priorities or mm. NATO priorities. I say a country should fundamentally have forces capable of defending itself. Yes. After that, we can worry about other people. But to begin with, we should be able to defend ourselves in, a, in an army smaller than the one we had in the, the late 18th century is not capable of doing no. that. And our current fleet, likewise, we don't have a surface fleet capable of defending our coasts yeah. properly. It's extraordinary. Peter, good to see you again, as ever. Thank you very much indeed. Peter Hitchens will be available on a podcast later on today. Uh, look out for it. It's on the Independent Republican Mike Graham podcast unit, and you can find it every single Monday, uh, half an hour of Hitchens' half hour. It's all good stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk electric bikes, electric scooters. Nick Freeman is here. Across the UK, on Online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.